Perfect. All right. So we just took a little bit of a hiatus and people who listen to the podcast kind of already know my story a little bit. We were talking about the programming that's involved in taking away people's locus of control. I guess not taking away, but transferring that locus of control. It's scary when you finally sit down after giving that away for almost your entire life and you realize that you're not a victim. You've been actively making the choice to participate in the system. And when you let go of that death vest, so to speak, you know, you're clinging to it for dear life. And that's what I mean. There's, It's been painted as this illusion of, you know, this is safety. Trade your time for money. Go sit in the cube. Be an animal in the farm, right? And what you hit on right out the gate, Asher, is that you have to taste, touch, smell, and experience everything in order to find your path. You're already on the path in so doing those things. But if you're following someone else's recommended course, you're giving away your control. Now, there are times that you should definitely take the way that someone else has taken the path in order to collect items for your own toolbox so that you can figure out more about what's important to you. Absolutely. How does that hit for you? I don't want to leave it so broad. I actually want to drill down for a second. You're an incredible filmmaker. You have an eye, a vision. You're able to translate that through a camera. Share a little bit about what that looks like, because filmmaking is one of the most beautiful arts, uh, much like writing. You're world building. You become the god of a story. And the way that you approach it, the music videos that I've seen that you've put together into the gray light that you worked on with Emilio, amazing films, all of them. There's an award behind you. I don't know if that people can see that. And you do it because you love it. You're passionate about it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's a lot of healing found in that for you as well. Absolutely. For me, it's been a process of learning what this means for me filmmaking and more broadly uh, being a storyteller. I've never considered myself much of a writer in terms of creating stories, but I do work with people who do. And I work with writers and storytellers who are also filmmakers like me. Some of them are maybe better at writing than holding a camera. And so part of being a filmmaker is not just about doing everything yourself. You certainly can. You can make a feature film all by yourself. Is it going to be a good film? Maybe. Probably not. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a feature film made by a single person that was, that actually like really spoke to me consistently throughout the film. It's not to say that it's impossible. The real key takeaway there is it's, it's a collaborative process that I found a lot of value in knowing that you can be a storyteller in your own right, in your own corner of the the room as you contribute towards a greater story with other people. So being able to to focus on one thing specifically and focus on just that thing and be a part of the crew, a part of uh, you know a group of other talented people who are also trying to tell the same story mm. is um, therapeutic. It's it's enlightening. It's one of the most enjoyable things that I've ever done in my life is, is to, to be a filmmaker and to be a part of that process with other people. Um, it's helped me grow as an individual, as a professional, as an artist. All those things have come through the trials and tribulations of making films. 
And a lot of it has to do with when things don't go right, when things uh, break or you have to quickly think of a solution uh, because you're on a tight timeline or because things need to get done right now. And uh, it's about being able to be in control of your emotions and being in control of your, your tools and your environment in that like you have a job on set. If you're a cinematographer, camera operator, DP, your job is to work with the director and lighting department to create looks that speak to the audience. Um, And that's what I've been working on, you know, improving in my 10 years of being a filmmaker. I'm always trying to have uh, that ability and to, to develop that ability of, of creating these images that speak to people. And that's really important to me that, that I am able to do that effectively. Um, and it's always something that I'm learning more about uh, how to do better, you know, through lighting and through composition. And, and so w- anybody who is out there who's interested in being a filmmaker, just know that the, that whole, that that whole journey of of going from making not so great videos or amateur videos to making something great is not something that happens overnight like you're mm-hmm. not going to get good at this even in a year like it takes years yeah and it might be a little daunting at first but um to me that it's it's been a it's been something that's helped me develop in my own in my own personal life as well just through that discipline and that ability to just try new stuff and to kind of go out of your comfort zone sometimes because that's that's where the real growth happens it absolutely is i like to call it playing to my edges all the time you know go where the friction is what's what's bringing the resistance what are you afraid to examine that's the path right that's the way to go yeah and i think it's um we're finding through different types of like studies that people who have a growth mindset are able to develop faster than people who don't. Absolutely. And, and for, and this is kind of a, I, not everybody's familiar with the, the term growth mindset. It's a defined now it, through neuroscience um, and psychology to represent um, the uh, ability of a person to understand that, the process of becoming better at what you do and becoming more efficient comes from knowing that you're not going to get there without enduring some pain and some stress. And and so being able to be in that environment and when you're witnessing and feeling the stress to acknowledge that that is very similar to the stress that happens in the gym. When you're, uh, when you're working out, when you feel that burn, um, when you, when you, have hit your limit and you've know that you can't do anymore uh, that, that acknowledgement that your body uh, shows you quite literally when you rep to failure is uh, something that is like nothing else. But at the same time, it's like, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of parallels there to other walks of life. And, and so that's why for me learning, to about fitness and about meditation and tying it all together with filmmaking and other aspects of, uh, of my life and the pursuits that I have, have been, you know, phenomenally helpful. I look forward to, to honing that, that, um, that skill more and, you know, becoming more of a technician in my own, 
uh, in, in my own, uh, in my own life, I guess. <laughs> so I guess it's, uh, it, it's something that I, um, I'm always interested in becoming better at and sharing that, that with other people. It's beautiful, Asher. What is the genre that you love working in the most? What's your favorite? What really turns you on? For filmmaking, um, I love sci-fi um, and with a little bit of uh, suspense horror. Okay. Like I love psychological films, and I love how they're able to grab people in a way that um, can just really make them question everything. Because um, oh. that, to me, is like the essence of... Uh, of what it means to, to inspire someone like to, to, to really, to get them to realize that, okay, I'm watching a film right now, but this seems so real to me right now that it feels like I'm there. And, and to be able to do that as a filmmaker is, is like that, that's, that's the goal. And that's what I always would always aim to do in, in my process and in my films is to inspire people. Cause if you are making something that you're putting a lot of time into call it art, you know, like mm-hmm. filmmaking is an art, whether you're painting, um, whether you're making music, it's, they're all forms of, of art. And as an artist, you have one job and that is to inspire people. Yes. And so whether your film is, uh, you know, about it, maybe it's a happy film. Maybe it's an inspiring film about, uh, you know, this character who overcame something that was seemingly daunting and unsurmountable in their life. And then they, they transcended that. Um, and if that's the basis of the film, then that's, that's what you're inspiring people to witness and to feel is that, that to be there with that person in that process. And then, you know, sci-fi and horror, um, it's, it's a lot of fear and uncertainty and like terror, you know, and that to me is fascinating. Like, cause I, I love, I love being able to put people in that space, like, and make them feel like they're in the shoes of, of the hero or the, you know, the, the, the main actor, um, that's, that's powerful. And that to me is, is what has allowed me to like challenge myself and, um, try to try to bring that experience to other people. It's, it's just about witnessing the inspiration or witnessing the scene and be like, wow, that yeah. scared the hell out of me yeah. or that that the the character that we thought was just a, a non-important an unimportant person in the film has something changed in them and then you're able to witness that um and see it through their development as uh, as a character in the film you're saying all that and i'm thinking i'm sitting over here thinking to myself like you just want to take this existential dread that is hanging over everyone and just make them look at it yeah <laughs> look at it right <laughs> Is when you look into the abyss, man, that's when real change happens. Yeah. And then it's, that helps us. It, and you bring that up makes me realize that like, so a lot of the, a lot of what I've learned from is realizing that the most of my problems in my life were from me not looking into the abyss and whatever yes. the abyss is, it, it can be anything. Yeah. Um, but it's about, a lot of your problems in life are going to come from you not addressing the core problem, the the core issue, the core, what, what's really behind it, you know, like, so in, in horror films and, 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 uh, in suspense films, we often have these, you know, characters or monsters that are quite physically like that. They are, you know, abominations or they're some sort of demon. Um, but, it's, it's really all a metaphor, right? Yeah. Like, and a lot of great stories are metaphors mm-hmm. or they can at least be seen as metaphors 
for, for something else. And, um, they, that to me has a lot of truth to it because that's where I've done all of my work on myself is, is being able to acknowledge that, Oh, that thing that I was really scared of that I was avoiding mm. that I was putting off, um, it is, is making my life miserable because I'm not addressing it. Not because it's there. Yeah. It's there. It's going to be there regardless, but because I'm running away from it, because I'm scared to, to, to face it, that's where the real challenges in my, in my mm. life are coming from. So when I'm able to acknowledge that entity, that problem and say, all right, what is this really? Great. You know, what is it? What is it? That's really, behind this, you know, what it's in the Scooby-Doo episode, you know, where they find the villain and they pull the, they pull the mask off of it and they, Oh, it's, you know, Mr. Jenkins from the like woodmill, you know, you were behind all of this and it's really, and then you've seen the meme where uh, it's a reflection on that, where it, uh, the, the main actor in Scooby-Doo, I forget what his name is, the dude in the white, like, Oh, isn't that he, Fred? Fred, he pulls the mask off of it and it's himself, right? Yeah. You saw that meme? Yeah. Like, that's a yeah. great one. I love that. Yeah. Because it shows that, like, hey, this thing that we were trying to, like, or that we were scared of or they were running from, when we finally confronted it, we realized it's just us. Like, this is, yeah. we're getting in our own way. Yeah. And that's, like, that's, to me, one of the, the most inspiring, like, revelations of my later life, mm -hmm. I would guess, is to realize that, like, I was getting in my own way and I didn't realize it. Yeah. And we all do that, you know? Oh yeah. Even still. But I think the purpose of the work is understanding that this from birth to death is the path. So whether you're in a place where you're meditating regularly and you're taking really good care or you drink every night just to numb yourself, you're still on the path. Do you want to be walking sh sh like shoeless through a bramble patch or do you want to be in the juiciness of life and enjoying everything that comes across your your sensational palate? Right. And it's it keeps this theme keeps coming up for us in this conversation of like you are in control of everything that happens to you. You are made to manifest and create what you want in life. Truly, you have to take a deep, hard look at yourself in order to integrate the issues that continually come up. We are pattern repeating machines. We are also meaning making machines. Here's just an example for anybody out there listening. If you are not taking stock of how you show up in relationship in your past relationships and you continually are pointing the finger at the other person, you are going to repeat that relationship cycle with every single person that you get in relationship with. Absolutely. What, will change in that is that you will become a more adept liar. And in that, what I mean is that you will lie to yourself more effectively. And if you're willing to lie to yourself, you're willing to lie to other people. It's an unfortunate truth. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we'll go into the widely known book of metaphors, the Bible, just for a second. You uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? That's not a command. That is telling you what's going to happen. If you love yourself like you're a piece of shit, you're only capable of treating other people like they're pieces of shit. If you truly love yourself and you're able to use your voice and say, hi, my name is Andrew. And here's what I see when this happens. And when I see this and this is happening, this is what I feel. And this is what's coming up for me. And here's what I need in this situation. Are you open and available to that? Use a nonviolent communication with myself and others so that I can build relationship. And if this is, a, if this is something that we can't work on together, 
So glad that we had this opportunity to connect. You're an amazing person. I love you. Take such good care of yourself. I'm going to go ahead and look for other options. Right. And that's so scary in a society that has been molded and formed and programmed that you must be paired up in order to be valuable. Right. To walk a path alone. Yeah, especially after being accustomed to having the life of being with someone who, you know, you thought was your partner or you Mm -hmm. thought was going to be there with you forever. After you've built everything up with them, it's so impossible to imagine life without them to the point where I can understand, like from my own experiences, like what you're talking about, lying to yourself, like, Mm -hmm. and not addressing the, you know, the, the challenges that are in front of you, knowing that like, this isn't the life that you have to live. It's yeah. life that you're choosing to live. Yeah. When you are, I mean, we can call it when you're still sleeping, when you're not activated, whatever people want to say, right? When someone tells you that you're choosing that, but you're still existing in that place, you're going to feel some things come up like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not choosing this. I'm stuck. It's like, you don't know, no, me. you're not, you're not actually stuck, man. But What's happening for you is that the pain of change is still greater than the pain of the current experience. Right. So you're choosing to stay with the devil you know versus going out and finding the one you don't. And I'll tell you what right now, the everything about the devil you don't know is probably better than the one that, you know, like you're if you're in that abusive relationship or you're in that place where you're not fulfilled and you are not able to authentically express yourself, you're better off moving on. But there are situations where if both people are willing to do the work together, that's amazing. Because if you're healing together, that bond, that intimacy, all of that is just, it's so fucking sexy. Absolutely. It's so sexy, yeah. man. So I'm not saying like to anybody out there, you have to gauge this for yourself. Relationships are an incredible blessing. They are. Being single is an incredible blessing. That truly is. These things are all opportunities to be digging in and doing work in different ways. But when you find a partner who's willing to stand by you and do their work while you do your work and you get to be interdependent, not codependent, but interdependent, that, my friends, is something to really keep an eye on and to cherish and nurture and hold on to. Because you can go from being really just a, a really down, sad, hurt individual in relationship with someone who is very likely in the same place because a lot of people aren't in relationship like you guys are. A lot of people are in relationship that is based fully on trauma bonds, but you can still provide a platform for one another to heal and grow. Full disclosure, as you do that, you may end up coming to a point where you're like, you know what? We were really not in a healthy place together and I'm glad that we did this work, but I think that maybe we're meant to be with other people now. That's still a beautiful gift. Still a beautiful gift. From horror films to you, yeah, you choose your life. I love it. And like, I, just touching on what you said, like, we're, we're you know, obviously talking about, uh, you know, relationships with, you know, partners, a romantic setting, like a romantic, you know, lifestyle, like being intimately involved with someone. But this also, like, pertains to friends, you know? Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. Like, obviously, we're talking about, like, becoming better people and trying to build people up and encourage people to become, you know, better versions of themselves. But also, sometimes you got to cut people off. Yeah. There, there's some people who are not at the same point in their life that you are, and you don't need to go through that with them. Oh. I, you know, I've, I've lost friends and 
and I, you know, I'm not going to say that I regret it, but like there, you know, there are times in my life where I've had to, you know, I have had to sever my friendship with people because it was detrimental to, to my life and it was detrimental to my other friendships. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to let that, you know, become a toxic part of my life. Yeah. Cause you can only do so much for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, obviously if you see value in someone and you think you can help them, help them by all means, you know, do everything you can, especially if, if they're a good friend, like do the work with them. Mm-hmm. But if you see they're not doing the work or they're not at a point where they can, where they can take that, those steps to make those actions happen, then, you know, they need to go and do that work alone or with somebody else, you know, because you can only do so much. And that's been, that's been really challenging for me to realize that I can't, I can't keep all the same old friends that I used to have Yeah, because we're different people. You know, we, we've, we've grown in different ways and, you know, I'd like to think that I'm a better person than I was 10 years ago. And because I know that I am in some ways, because I've done the work to, to be better, a better person, you know, like to, to, to be more, you know, to, to be more responsive to, to my friends and to, to be there for them Mm -hmm. in, in ways that they need, you know, like I've always tried to work on that. And I think I'm better at that than I was before, but at the same time, you know, you can't, you can't help everybody. Yeah. And you have, and your, your own sanity and your own, you know, well being is just as important as any of your friends. And, you know, if they're a real friend, they'll understand that. 